Have you ever been a part of something or have you ever been involved in something or as you were going through it, there was a certain part or there was something smaller within it that you became so consumed with, so focused on, that you realize your focus on this smaller part, this lesser thing, has caused you to miss the overall purpose of what you were a part of. We do that in life. And just a couple of weeks ago, I was traveling home from a trip that I'd taken out of town. And on my way back, I decided I'm going to take a scenic route. I'm going to kind of go the back roads. And I want to see the, the, just the country roads. Just want to take it in and enjoy this before I, I get back to the highway. So I was going to cut through all these country roads, um, getting back to the main highway. And uh, so it was about a couple hours that that would take to get to I-20, basically. And so was doing that, but as I took off and got down these roads, Siri was telling me where to go, um, I began to hear a rattling noise in my truck. I don't know if that's a pet peeve of yours, but that's a pet peeve of mine. I hate rattling noises in my car. They just, when you hear them, when they start, I can't hear anything else other than that. So I begin, as I'm driving safely, to try to figure out where this rattling noises come. So, you know, it's somewhere on the dash. Maybe the dash has gotten loose. I start digging around. Eventually, I find it. And I found it as I was getting ready to pull onto I-20. I had missed the entire scenic route because I was so focused on this rattling noise. I have no idea where I was, where I drove, what I saw, how beautiful it was. It could have been the most incredible thing in the world. I didn't see a lick of it because I was so focused upon this particular thing. You know, I think of parents, and some of you are these kind of parents, and some of you know what I'm talking about, at their kids' sports game, who get so fixated and focused on how bad the refs are calling the game, apparently. That they look absolutely miserable because they're yelling at the refs the whole time, missing the opportunity to, to enjoy their kids playing sports. Yes, I have been that parent as well. They were really bad calls. It reminds me of the story Jesus tells of two friends that he decided to go visit a house with and spend some time with them. A really special thing to have Jesus come to their house and one of the ladies was called out because as Jesus was there in their house, she was so fixated on everything being perfect and everything being right and Jesus being well served that she was missing the point, Jesus is in my house to visit with me. Sometimes we can get so fixated on small things that we miss the big thing, we miss the main point. We make things that are lesser ultimately ultimate. And when we do, we lose sight of what it's really all about. And we do this in our walk with Jesus. We do this in our faith. We have the tendency to become focused on good things, yes. But we make those good things essential things the ultimate things, and as a result, miss the whole point of Jesus. And for that matter, forfeit the freedom 
that we have in Jesus. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul begins by focusing and drawing his attention to the freedom that we have in Jesus, the things that he has done for us. And then he begins to call the Galatian church out. And as he calls the Galatian church out, I believe the Holy Spirit is calling us out as well as his church today, guilty of the same things, majoring on minors and losing our focus on the major. Draw your attention to Galatians chapter 5, begin reading in verse 1. Would you stand in honor of God's word this morning? Galatians 5 verse 1, Paul writes this, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumstance, circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You can be seated. Freedom matters. The freedom that we have in Christ matters. And that's what Paul begins with. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Christ came to set us free. That was his promise in Luke chapter 4 verse 18 from the very beginning. He says, he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, freedom to the slaves. In John chapter 8 verse 36, Jesus says, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And then Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 17, now the Spirit of the... Now the Lord is spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Jesus gives freedom. He is a liberator. Now, this freedom that Paul speaks of, this freedom that Jesus speaks of, is not a political freedom. This is not in reference to the natural law that endowed all people with certain inalienable rights including political liberty. This is not the Declaration of Independence. Nor is this psychological freedom. But the freedom that he offers is that we have, can have emotional health. We can be the best you that you could ever be. Or that we would be on this journey set free to really discover ourselves and our truth. Nor is it independence. This is not the type of freedom that says we can make our own decisions and choose our own path. That would be theological anarchy. The freedom that Christ has set us free with is the freedom that was a result of the events of Good Friday and Easter Sunday. What was accomplished at the work of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This idea of freedom that Paul speaks of, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Liberation is a description of salvation. 
Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Free from what? Jesus has liberated us by his death, burial, and resurrection, by who he is, the person of Jesus, the sacrifice of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus. That event has liberated us from being slaves to sin. We were all born slaves to sin. Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 34, whoever sins is a slave to sin. You and I cannot help it. We're born with a natural tendency, a sinful nature, and we've all acted upon that. We were born with chains and shackles tied to us of sin. And that sin leads us to a pathway of separation from God. Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all separated, enslaved and imprisoned, not just in life, but ultimately from God, that we cannot know him, that we cannot walk with him, that we can never have a future with him, that our eternity cannot be done in heaven. That sin leads us to separation, which brings death. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, and that's what we are slaved to. But Christ has broken all these chains. He has made us right before God by faith in him. We are set free, free from sin, free from separation, and free from death. He has made us right. He has empowered us with his spirit to know him and become like him. Jesus has liberated us to walk in a relationship with God and to be the people God created us to be. Sin has denied us that freedom, but sin is no longer our master in Jesus. For freedom, for liberty, Christ has liberated us. This liberty is accepting that there is nothing we can do that will make us more or less acceptable to God. Jesus is enough. This freedom that we have is the freedom that we have to live the life that we could not live, that sin has denied us, free to now live without the shackles of sin in us. It is for freedom Christ has set us free. And so Paul's command is to stand firm in this liberty, in this freedom that we have. The liberty of the gospel of Jesus Christ in our lives is what matters. And it's worth fighting for. Stand firm to stand up for. This is not a generic freedom. This is the fact that we are accepted in God's eyes. That we are accepted by Jesus through Jesus. That our sins are forgiven and that our sins are, are, are free from us. That we now have the ability by the power of the Spirit, the freedom to live how we could not live for. Stand firm in that. There are a lot of things not worth dying for. There are a lot of things not worth standing up for. But the gospel of Jesus Christ and what it does for you and what it does for me is worth everything. It's why we have to get it right. It's why we have to teach it right and preach it right. 
Why we have to remind ourselves of it every day? Because there is a temptation. There is a thief that wants to steal the freedom we possess. So the second command he gives is do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. What's this yoke of slavery? Where the word again tells us what it was. What were we chained to before? What were we enslaved by before? We were enslaved by the law. We were enslaved by the sin. We were enslaved by our flesh. We were enslaved by the enemy, the devil. We were enslaved by the evil and the evil principles of this world. Do not submit again. You are free. Stop putting the chains back on. Stop putting yourself back in the prison you were let go of. Stop going back to the master who is no longer your master. You've been loose from it. So apparently, this church was guilty of that. That's the main thing that Paul was, was telling them. Somehow, some way, they had put back on their neck the yoke of slavery. They had put back on their hands the chains of slavery, the handcuffs of it. And so too do we. We go back to what we've been freed of. And there's a few reasons why we do. We go back to what we've been freed of because ultimately sometimes we, we forget how terrible slavery was. We forget what it was like to be lost. We forget the magnitude and the weight of our sin and the wrath of God that was coming towards us. We forget the ugliness and heinousness of that. We forget what it meant to be chained and shackled and hopeless and helpless. We forget how terrible it was. The gospel is not awesome unless you see the awfulness of your previous condition. Spurgeon said, till sin be bitter, Christ will not be sweet. Sometimes we go back to the yoke of slavery because we, we don't know what to do with the freedom that we have. Some would argue that the freedom is licensed, that now, oh, so I'm free. I, I can do whatever I want to then. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't ultimately matter because all my sins are forgiven, so the sin I'm going to commit today is forgiven and so there's kind of like no rules we can kind of do what we want we can live how we want uh, if I see it I want it that's the way our, our world teaches us that if you want it do it be you and so sometimes with the freedom that we have in Jesus that we have the tendency to to apply that to our lives sometimes maybe we don't know what to do with it we we we, we isolate ourselves and, and more often though in the situation here in this church was that they had reverted back to legalism. What Paul is saying here to do, to stand firm and to not submit again to the yoke of slavery is a very, is a hard thing to do. It's difficult not to go back. All of us do it in our lives. Because there's a difference between object freedom and subject freedom. Objectively, we're free. We're proclaimed free. We're free from sin. We're free from death. We're free from, from hell. We're free from the power of sin. 
But street level, today, how come I'm still tempted? Why is this so hard? Why do I still want to do what I know I shouldn't do? Why doesn't it all make sense? Why, doesn't, why, why are there days where I feel like God's not with me and I can't hear him and I'm not close to him? We forget that the Christian life is becoming what we already are. That ultimately the journey we're on, we are already perfect. We are already righteous. We are already saved. We are already liberated and free. But the journey we're on is a, is a journey of becoming what we already are. That's why the Christian life is described as growth. And we are told throughout the Bible that we are, we are newborn babies. I, I remember the day, May 20th, 2013, that Hadley was born. And she was absolutely perfect. I, I had never seen, seen anything so perfect in my life. Everything worked. Everything was healthy. A plus all the way around and so forth. She had all the healthy parts. She had five toes on each foot, two feet, ten toes, legs, knees, arms, ten fingers, hair. She could make noise. She could hear. Everything was, was there. But she couldn't use any of it on her own. She was 100% human. 100% had everything she needs to live a life like me and you. But we had to do it all for her. So over these past seven years, it's, it's been a fun journey as well as with our children, uh, our boys, a fun journey of watching them become what they are. Learning how to, how to stand and learning how to walk and learning how to eat. Learning how to change their own diaper. Praise God for that. One day learning how to fend for themselves and make their own money and feed themselves in their own home. It's, just remember Hadley's journey of, of talking. You know, when she's born, she didn't know how to talk, but she had a tongue. She had vocals for sure. And over the years, she's learned how to put all that together to talk. And now she just talks and talks and talks and talks and talks and talks and talks. You see, we are free. We are saved. We are righteous. We are perfect. But we're in a difficult journey with the power of the Holy Spirit of becoming what we are. So Paul gets to the main thing. You've gotten off track. You have, you have stunted it. You have... You have limited your freedom, you have given up your freedom, and you have halted the journey of becoming what you already are. And for this church, the issue and the matter was 
legalism. Notice what he says in verse 2. This is what he gets to. Look, look. Pay attention here. Look, he says in verse 2. Look, I, Paul, I say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. The problem with this church is that they had begun to embrace the practice of circumcision. This Jewish ritual that was a sign of the old covenant. This Jewish heritage thing. The issue was not circumcision of itself. The issue was that they were being taught and they were believing that in order to be right with God, in order to be close to God, in order to be saved even, you've got to do this particular religious practice. In fact, those that were influenced, we, we heard them straight up in Acts chapter 15 verse 1. said this, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. So the ultimate teaching is this issue of circumcision, which was for them the main issue, was that they did not see themselves as free. They did not see themselves as saved. They had to follow these regulations and rules in order to get there. They had to contribute to their salvation. To do something to help, which we all have a tendency to do. None of us accept free things well. You go to a person's house and some of you, the first thing you do when someone invites you over, hey, I want to have you over for dinner. We want to have you over. We want to have your family over. We want to spend time with you guys. The first thing that many of you ask, partly because it's kosher, polite, but some of us, it really bothers. What can I bring? Can I make dessert? Can I bring drinks? What do you need? We keep, no, no, I'm inviting you over. We got it taken care of. So then we go and we're served this meal and we have the time and we're in their place and all that kind of stuff. And then comes time for pickup. Well, let me, let me help. You just sit down. I'll do the dishes. I'll do the dishes. I'll clean it up. How can I help? How can I help? We want to help. We want to add. We have a hard time accepting something for free. That's part of the human nature. That's part of our tendency. Let me help. Let me bring something. Let me do that. Well, ultimately, that was the issue with this, is that it wasn't good enough that Jesus Christ and the work of Jesus Christ on the cross and the resurrection could save them. Something had to be added to it. There has to be something that we do. Which led them into a pathway of legalism. Legalism is treating something good as it were essential. Circumcision was not a bad thing. The Apostle Paul himself was circumcised. But that thing was being treated as essential. Legalism is when we turn something valuable into something ultimate. When you must and have to have this, be this, do this, in order to be right before God. Do you see how the yoke of slavery has come back on? Because Christ freed us from that. And yet we put it back on. And this legalism, it lurks in the shady corners of every Christian's life. 
lurks in every church, in every sanctuary, in every Sunday school room, and in every ministry. It is lurking in the shadows, trying to come up, because legalism, it makes us lose sight of what matters. It makes us start thinking that non-essentials are essential. We begin to assist that good things are in fact necessary things. And the danger is, is that these good things that in our viewpoint become necessary things, become things that we end up looking on with pity upon people or suspicion upon anyone who would think or do otherwise. We lose sight of what matters. In this matter for, for the church of Galatia, they had become so convinced that circumcision ultimately counted that they had lost sight of what ultimately counted and wanted to get circumcised in order to be right with God. They had begun to view their salvation as incomplete if they did not follow this practice. And as a result, they were losing their freedom. They were missing the point. And so Paul weighs down some very serious warnings about missing the point, about losing your freedom. Because when you lose your freedom, you lose sight of what matters. Paul tells us that these people were losing sight of what mattered. Notice what he says in verse 2. If you say that you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. Paul is saying receiving this for the purpose of gaining merit before God was to make Christ no benefit. The truth is the sacrifice of Jesus is perfect and complete. Everything needed for your rightness before God, everything needed before you, for your salvation, everything needed to make you a full, 100% tried and true, authentic follower of Christ, child of the living God, was done on the cross. Nothing else can benefit you for that is Christ, Christ alone. The work of Christ cannot be benefited by the work of man. And subsequently, it cannot benefit a person who trusts in anything else. It's either Jesus or nothing. Either Jesus is your right way before God and you're only, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He didn't say, and baptism. Or, or and dress this way. Or and act this way. Or and say, the, or, or and go to this type of church. It's Jesus, it. And to add to that is to lose it all, which is the danger. The danger, because when you lose it all, you lose everything. Churches and 
denominations that teach that there is more to salvation than trusting in Jesus are not just messing people up by adding to them certain things they must do. No, no. According to this, they're sending them straight to hell. Because to add to Jesus is to not get Jesus at all. This applies to to everyone. It applies to people who are not saved. What Paul is saying is you cannot be saved. If you believe that you must do something in order to be saved plus Jesus, then you cannot be saved. But this also applies to you and I, who are saved, who have trusted Jesus, but then begin to add to things that, in our view, make us more right before God. Basically, it's this. It's inconsistent with our salvation. And as a result, we cannot experience the benefit of growth if we start trusting another. So whether before or after salvation, trusting human works of any kind is a barrier between the person and Christ, and it results in legalism. Losing your freedom makes you lose sight of the sufficiency of Christ. It also makes you lose sight of the impossibility of the law. Verse 3, I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision, he is obligated to keep the whole law. You break one, you break it all. James says in James chapter 2 verse 10, for whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of it all. God's standard is for perfect righteousness and failure to live up to that standard at any one point falls short of the whole standard itself. You can do everything right by the Old Testament. You can live the law out perfectly. You can have followed all of the Ten Commandments all of your life and done everything. But if at the last moment of your life you slip up for even just one moment, you're guilty and condemned. A person that is 99.999999% perfect or good is as lost as anyone else. And Paul's like, you think this is going to make you get right before God? You think this is going to make you closer to God? You think this is going to make you more favored and more accepted to God? This, This act or this tradition or this behavior or this circumcision? You're crazy. Do you not understand that the whole point of the law is that the law doesn't work? It's never saved a person and it can't save you. Severed from Christ, he says. When you lose your freedom, you lose sight of what matters. And ultimately, losing sight of what matters is you lose Christ. You are severed, verse 4, from Christ. You who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. From the lost person's standpoint, to trust in the works of man and try to be justified by rules and regulations and religion, you miss Jesus completely you miss salvation 100%. But for those of us who are saved, the point that Paul is trying to make here is this. Law and grace are simply incompatible. You can't live by law and grace. 
he is not speaking this falling away of losing our salvation. His point is, you're living an inconsistent, totally incompatible life. You're missing the life that Christ gives. You're missing the the power that Christ gives and the grace that Christ gives. You're missing the point and picture of grace. Living by works, by the flesh, by trying to do it on our own, by trying to gain it on our own, by living and being more concerned about the outward than the inward is missing the whole point of grace. The whole point of everything. And it becomes powerless and drudgery. I'm convinced that some of the most miserable people on this planet Earth are Christians who think there's such thing as a good Christian and a bad Christian and that they're trying to be good Christians. They're so wrapped up in trying to be the part, to do the things, to measure up. That's miserable, y'all. That's missing the whole point of the fact that I could never be the part. I could never live up. I could never do the things. Praise God, Jesus did them for me. That's grace. Losing your freedom makes you lose sight of what matters. You, you miss the hope of righteousness. Listen to this in, in verse 5. For through the Spirit, by faith. That's how we live. That's how this thing is done, by the way. Through the Spirit, by faith. It's never you making yourself more right. It's the Holy Spirit of God working through you. You never get the credit. Well, I started tithing. No, you didn't. The Holy Spirit of God convicted your heart, you greedy person to change your ways and empowered you to see it a different way and you obeyed by faith. Well, I stopped drinking. No, you didn't. The Holy Spirit did that in you. Well, I led someone to the Lord. Oh my goodness gracious, you didn't do anything to do that. You just simply by the power of the Holy Spirit opened your mouth and he did all the work with your messed up words. He used it, but he did it. This is never about us. It's never about what we do. The Spirit, through the Spirit, by faith, we eagerly, listen to this, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. Now, here's why legalism is pointless. Because legalism teaches you, you can do these things and be righteous. But the gospel of Jesus Christ is this. You are righteous And you will experience the fullness of that righteousness in heaven. You are never going to be perfect until you exhale your last breath here on earth and inhale your first breath in heaven. You will not be perfect. You will have not attained righteousness. That righteousness is for us in heaven. We eagerly await the hope of righteousness. We don't work for righteousness now. now. We're declared righteous and we wait for the hope of that righteousness. Our hope is in the power of the spirit and faith. But this is not how the legalist works. This is not how the legalist does his thing. 
They are worried rather than waiting. They are striving rather than resting. They are depending upon their own resources rather than Christ's sufficiency. Paul is saying is you do this circumcision thing you practice this legalism thing you are left up to yourself you don't have the power of Christ's blood the power of Christ's life and the power of Christ's grace working in you you've cut it off and you're on your own losing your freedom makes you lose sight of what ultimately matters so what does matter what is the main thing what is the the big thing look at verse six for in christ jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything but only faith working through love. You you live your freedom by keeping sight of what ultimately matters. Paul's main point to these people is this circumcision doesn't matter. It's not a bad thing. He's not saying it's stupid or it's it's old-fashioned or it's the old way of doing things or or it's sinful. That's not what Paul is saying. In fact, Paul himself was circumcised. And he, he led a young man to the Lord, Timothy, who was a half-Jew. And he had Timothy follow through that practice. It's not a bad thing. It just doesn't matter. It doesn't count. The dire consequences of, of, of all the things, of losing sight of what matters, of losing your freedom. Doesn't matter. What Paul is saying is this. On the last day, the day of judgment, when you stand before God, your circumcision doesn't matter. It will not matter in that day now maybe it's making some sense because there's a day you and me are going to stand before God and on that day it will not matter how much money you gave to the church. It will not matter how many sweet old ladies you helped walk across the street. It will not matter how many curse words you said or curse words you stopped saying. It will not matter whether you drank or didn't drink. It will not matter whether you went to a Baptist church, a Presbyterian church, a Methodist church, or a Catholic church. It will not matter how you voted. It will not matter whether you are premillennial, amillennial. It will not matter whether you are Arminianist or Calvinist. It will not matter whether you are pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, whatever that is. It will not matter what you wore to church. It will not matter who your friends were. It will not matter what you did on Friday night. The only thing that will matter is what you did with Jesus Christ. Are you free? Did you trust him? 
Did you have faith in him? The point is not that those things are all unimportant. I just listed off a bunch of really good things. It's just that they're not the main thing. And they're not the ultimate thing. And we lose our freedom when we spend too much time focused upon those things so that those things become essential things, ultimate things. When in reality, the only thing that matters, as Paul says, is faith. Working through love. Faith in the person of Jesus and the promise of God through him. Love lived out by the power of the Spirit through you. That's what matters. Him. You're on a journey. I'm on a journey. Church, friend, some of us are too busy. Worried about the rattle and noise in the vehicle, and we're missing the bigger picture of our freedom. For some of us, that rattling noise is the sin that we keep going back to and letting enslave us. For others of us, it's the good things that we're putting too much weight and significance ends and begin judging other people because they don't do those things. You're free. Don't go back. Live freedom. Faith working through love. Let's pray. we have spent too much time in our lives too much energy within church life tightening shackles and we're trying to fight shackles that you've already loosed you've already removed yet we get so busy putting them back on trying to put them on others. Help us to see Jesus and what he's done for us as enough and all that we need. Help us to live in freedom the life that you've called us to live, the life that you've designed us to live, a life that moves closer and closest to you by the power of the Spirit, a life that continuously experience victory over the slavery of sin and self in this world 
in our freedom, may we rise above it by the power of your spirit. I pray for those, whether they're online today or whether in this room, that walked into this room with chains and shackles around them or where they're sitting at home, they are bound, enslaved to themselves in sin. Holy Spirit of God, would you open their eyes and Jesus, would you free them today, save them, liberate them today. Give them that faith to trust in you. Help them to do that. Help them to accept your gift of salvation and be free. Jesus wants to free you. He wants to liberate you. He has done everything to take the chains and shackles. He is just waiting for your yes. All you have to say to him is yes. I trust you. I give you my life. I give you my sin. And he will free you. Whether you are at home or whether you're in this place, would you say yes to Jesus today and be free? Others of you today, maybe here or maybe at home, you've put the chains back on. In some way, shape, or form, whether it be the manner of legalism, you've begun to view yourself as worthy because of what you do or don't do. Or maybe you've put the chain of sin back on and you've given over to the flesh and it's taken you. Stand in that freedom. Maybe the first step for you this morning is to simply admit it, is to confess it to him. Lord, take these shackles off me that I've put on myself. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the grace and the mercy you give us. We don't deserve it. God, we're thankful for it. Liberate us day after day after day. Continually free us from the yoke that we put on. It's in Jesus' name we pray.